I'm super excited about this conversation today. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Sarah Madras. And I am Jenny Midgley. And this is the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. And y'all, today I'm super excited about our guest. Yep. All right. We've had several of these guests from the podcast pitch panel. Say that pitch panel. Ten times. Perfect. Best. I told Sarah, like when I went through the list, I was like, here's all the people that I met and Here's what, here's who I think will be a good fit. You give me your feedback. And I gave a little synopsis and like, here she was like, yes. And I already know who I'm going to send that show to. And I was like, all right, no pressure for great content here. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's shaking it in my boot. Or in my bare feet, I should say. Yeah. So, um, Kareen, take it away. I'm Kareen Bedard and I'm in short, a relationship designer. And I've been an empowerment and sex positive relationship coach. And so my big mission is that I'm normalizing ethical non-monogamy so that people can have choices of the kinds of relationships they want to have. And a lot of people think that I maybe I'm against monogamy. I'm absolutely not against monogamy. I was monogamous for a long time and I think it's wonderful. As long as you're choosing that, right? And I think there's a lot of shame and shame surrounding sex. And sexuality in marriage, there's a lot of sort of setups and social programming that we have that make marriage really hard and make it hard to make it to forever and things like that. So I create experiences for people to really explore this world safely. Okay, so I already have three questions off the bat just from what she just said. Go right ahead. So one, what is healthy monogamy look like and mean to you? Please educate us. Healthy monogamy is, first of all, when you love yourself and you're healthy in yourself and you don't rely on someone else to fulfill you. And I think that we have this misconception that our partner needs to be our better half or our other half when really they're just, we're both holes. We should be both whole and coming together. And I think a lot of people rely on their partners for a lot of things, emotional support. And not that emotional support is bad, but they rely on them for that rather than allowing themselves to be their main emotional support. And so it's like passing the buck. And then they get upset when someone can't read their mind or if they can't have the deep conversations or understand them completely. And I think that there's a lot of collaborative work in a marriage or a relationship that needs to happen. But if you're expecting that from someone and that they have to have a certain answer, they have to be a certain way, that all of a sudden becomes, in a sense, a form of manipulation, right? Like we we tend to base our self-worth and our, our happiness and our joy on like their responses to us and things like that. And I know that I was in that pattern for a long time. And I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that I was that dependent on his response to me and that kind of thing. Right. So essentially what I'm hearing is the difference between uh, dependency and codependency versus it being supplemental. 
Yeah, I think that's the start, I would say, to any healthy relationship. And it's just a really solid sense of self and your worth. For sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of other things too, but that I think informs a lot of the other things that can go wrong. So if you're dependent on someone for their their support for everything or whatever, you're, uh, or they have to be your person or they have to be the only one or the your soulmate or whatever, if they fall off that pedestal at one point, there's like huge fears that come with that fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of all these things. And then jealousy creeps in. We're also taught that jealousy equals love, which I think is Ooh. so sad. Yeah. So life is about connections and friendships and beautiful connections. And I think that's exactly why you guys do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. why you guys are friends. Is it's about connecting on a deep level mm-hmm. with people and I'm very much about that. So all of a sudden, when I got married, my very group of friends, my favorite group of friends, which were guys, I wasn't allowed to have anymore. And there went my social circle that that were my favorite people i'm sorry wait what <laughs> i mean i get we don't subscribe to that but no. i understand what she said no i know <laughs> but i'm like no it, this is how far removed we are from it because we are in Hel- relationships <laughs> with healthy <laughs> boundaries yeah. whether or not it's monogamous right like you have like yeah. we are in relationships with a significant other that we have chosen that we can we don't have to have that experience correct and even to the point where but i don't think still but hearing it still i'm like wait people do it's still i know it happens obviously but still hearing it is still and it's interesting because i've said to matt more than once and it's not but when i say it out loud people are like oh my god i can't believe you say that to him i'm like i don't need you like at the end of the day i can i am fully capable and equipped and resourceful right and have the self-worth to navigate life and to do life alone. I choose you. Exactly, exactly. I want to do that journey with you. But let me be real clear. You're not the, I don't need you in order to successfully do this life journey. I don't subscribe to the whole soulmate thing. There's a million people out there that like you can marry and you can do life with. (laughs) <laughs> and I think I my favorite representation of that was like when my dad had a heart attack uh, several years ago and my mom was like, you have to get better and you have to re you have to heal quickly because I'm not doing your chores. <laughs> <laughs> he had just come out of the cath lab where they put stents in him and moved into the at two o'clock in the morning. And she's, you know, that you have to heal quickly because I'm not going to do your chores. <laughs> She doesn't need him, but she, but she wants him. She wants him. I want your help. I, I, my <laughs> expectation. And that's, but that's the thing, right? Like, that's how I, I very clearly feel the same way. People about. that hear that think it means that we don't love them. That's oh, the translation. I, I can, I can totally, I love my husband and I can still love him and also be capable. And, but just because I, just because I can, doesn't mean that I should. Just because I can live without my husband doesn't mean I should because my kids will probably eat takeout all the time. (laughs) And just because I can live without my husband doesn't mean I should because then laundry won't be done. (laughs) Because I choose not to do it and let him do it. I give him that gift. Is that what you're seeing? (laughs) Kareen, is this the kind of stuff that you see and come up against too? Is that 
when couples or or when individuals are saying that and being like, I am a whole human on my own and that my partner adds to and is supple- supplements that mm-hmm. and I choose that and want that. Do you see that where people are like, oh, then you don't really love each other? Yeah, I think there's a lot of like really. Now, you have to understand that I am from a very fundamentalist Christian background. So I went to Bible school and I often say I'm a Bible school graduate turned playboy enthusiast. <laughs> And this is, I, and I remember the day that my, my ex-husband said to me, he said, like, he, before we were engaged, he said, if we're going to get married, this has to stop. And I was like running up and down the hall with my guy friend and we're being total idiots and just having fun and laughing. And the thing is, he said, so if we get married, this is going to have to stop. And I knew that and he knew that, but it's not because it bothered him. That was the thing. It's like, it didn't really bother him. It's just, that's what was supposed to be. Because if he couldn't control his wife or if it looked like his wife was like having relationships with other guys, then what did that look like for him? So in that context is very, that was a big thing. I remember I was helping with the youth group and my cousin was in charge and him and his wife, they were taking these kids all to, to this big, I don't know, overnight thing, whatever. And then his wife got sick and she couldn't go and so actually I wasn't working with the youth group they called me he called me to see if I could come because I was his cousin and so it wouldn't look bad if I was sitting in the car with him mm-hmm. because that's cousin that's the kind of background that I came from and so I remember when I started questioning my faith and just really looking into things I was like Okay, so I've been taught that these sex people are the worst of the worst, right? Like, they're the worst of the worst. They have no love. They have no self-respect. Of course, they, they don't love themselves. They can't possibly love without Christ. And the world, which is, quote unquote, everybody not in my faith circle, the world is a terrible place and they have no joy and they have no happiness and no love. And of course, these sex people would be even worse. So... I happened to have serious radio at the time. And so I started listening to Playboy Radio like 24 7 because I was like, I'm going to hear what the worst of the worst are because I want to hear if this is true. Is it even worth researching my faith and it stepping into this uh, if like it's not what it's supposed to be? And so I started listening to Playboy Radio and I was like, oh my God, these are my people. Like these people are intelligent and they're well spoken. They know what they want. They have self-respect. They, they understood consent and honored each other. And they had deep connected friendships and relationships. And I was like, what is going on here? This is not what I've been taught. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, the depth of conversation that they're having here is not at all what I was having. This was not superficial. This was like, let's just talk about anything and everything. It's all out there. And it's, nobody's shaming anybody or judging anybody. I was like, what is this world? I want to be a part of it. I love it. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was my introduction into sort of sex positivity. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a beautiful world. This is a world of acceptance and authenticity and love and kindness community. Like Mm -hmm. it's a really tight community. And I just, I was from a, a church community. That was the only community I knew that was worse anything like i was told everything else had no depth and no love yeah and that's the but that's the the difference between indoctrination and brainwashing and educating 
<laughs> yeah. Like when you're, what, what we're talking about is you can be educated about oh, sexuality yeah. and religion and you can be inspired to ask questions and yeah. read and learn, or you can be told how it is and brainwashed into thinking. And then you have to unlearn all of that yeah. bullshit. Yeah. So that you, you can build your worldview from the ground up. Right. Yes. And full transparency, my biases that are coming up is literally because when you say Playboy Radio and plan Playboy, my biasy is sexual objectification. It is not sex positive. That and, is not and what my bias. What Playboy Radio really did have good shows back in the day. Like I remember listening to Playboy Radio on Sirius XM and to the, the talk shows, not the yeah. ones where they had, yeah, yeah, not the audio sex ones, but. That's fine, too, if you wanted to listen to that. But, like, I'm driving in the car with my kids. I'm not, like... Because I'm, like, I'm for sex positive, obviously, right. and right. self-love right. and consent. I am not for sexual objectification. And, and But my bias is... Right. And I'm acknowledging that yeah. that comes from my place of bias, my place of trauma. Mm -hmm. And... I, but I feel like we need to say it out loud in yep. case other mm -hmm. listeners are experiencing that too. Yeah, right. And also acknowledge that I, because of those traumas and biases, I was not listening to Playboy Radio. So I had no idea right. they were doing actual meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they were, it was, they had some really interesting shows. And, and my, I don't have those biases because I didn't experience that objectification as like in the way that you did. Yeah. That's why I make a good team. Sense. One thing I did notice is that, like, the I I thought, oh, the objectification is going to be really strong or things like that. But what I discovered is that in those cases, a lot of times they were choosing that. That's what they wanted. So maybe that was part of their kink or that was, like, a part of what they wanted um, because they could really consent to not having that. So they were fully able to stand up in their power and be like, dude, don't treat me like that or whatever. And I didn't Sometimes find I question that, that though. Sometimes I really question that. Does a woman truly, like I would have to do that on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. Does that woman truly feel like she has a voice? Does she truly, is her motive, is her intent, is her yes, her yes? Like I think that would be a case-by-case -case basis. But isn't that another internalized bias? No, it's just, I not a turtle. No, I would have I, to get like, curious. Right. That, no, but I'm saying that if you are going to question the motives just as a general rule, like, why do you feel like you need to question those motives? Because it's not always, they're not, uh, uh, subconsciously, mm -hmm. a woman doesn't feel like she has a choice, mm -hmm. that this is a resource or an avenue or a, or for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so consciously they in order to to soothe the subconscious they consciously go i am doing this by choice and that's not always the case no that's fair. but i think I, you'll find and that's why i speak up for the sex positive community because it is changing that like it it is about honoring the person and what i came across was a show called swing with michael and holly and i had yep. never heard such a thing and so Michael and Holly was Mormon. So she was also religious. And then she That's discovered she was bi. She was used bisexual. And then her husband, he was in the lifestyle. And then they, they were married. And so they were, he was, for a better, lack of a better word, allowing her to finally express her bisexual side. And they well, he was supporting her. 
Not that he, he was supporting exactly. her. Exactly. Yeah. But for her, it was like she wasn't allowed to do right. anything right. before, right? So that's why I said, quote unquote, allowing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Supporting her sexuality in this open, consci- uh, conscientious way. And they were having this podcast talking about their sexual experiences with others. And I was like dumbfounded. I was like, what? People do this? They can't even, what? I was so like green right when it came to this and not only were they sharing each other with other people but they were like celebrating it and enjoying and talking about it and loving each other's joys and experiences and just really celebrating that and I was like okay number one relationship goals right here because the kind of relationship they had is what I'd always craved just this open dialogue to be able to really just be authentic and just have the conversations and not have judgment and not be like looked down on or whatever just like a free conversation it was beautiful so I started listening to a bunch of podcasts and and I was like whoa I don't know if I can ever do this but at the time I was sharing all this with my husband at the time and I was like oh my gosh this is craziness like you have to hear this and so we started listening to a few podcasts together or whatever and I remember it took a while to finally just wrap my head around this concept but that it was the community that I fell in love with and I've always been a sexual person but I that's not exactly the part that was drawing me although I was a virgin when I got married and so was my husband so like I had never experienced anything else so there was a bit of curiosity on that front. I think about authenticity and openness that you were craving. Yeah. Because you had been denied the truth for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the openness and everybody sharing and speaking and owning their truth. And that's yeah. what I craved more. Right. Which is, exactly. and like, and you brought up the, the, I remember Swing with Michael and Holly. I remember listening to that show. And but it's, it's so interesting to me that a religion that preaches polygamy <laughs> Right, right, right. Sexually right. represses women. It's, it's crazy. Just right. I was like, <laughs> like and then, I like, yeah, yeah. Let's pause and so and and so you said at the beginning too, he can that, swing, but she can't. Right. You so. said in the beginning too that you create experiences for couples. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So I have what's called a VIP couples fantasy weekend. So in my coaching program, I talk about breaking free, breaking free from the religious and societal programming that we have. And so a lot of religious programming inadvertently informs a lot of social programming that we have, even people who are not religious. The societal programming is really based off a lot of religious programming. And so I really take people through and unpack a lot of that and just figure out like, what is true what beliefs are actually true and what aren't like what are you holding on to that has just been taught to you but it's actually not necessarily true so true for that, you so, yes true yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and the first so the first step is it's f-r-e-e and so the first step is fantasize r is release ease embrace and then uh, the other ease empower so if, so the fantasize part is that part of that VIP weekend, that fantasy weekend. So it's a play on words. And that's really the clarity piece. And it's like, what is it that you want as a couple? What do you want as a, as an individual, as a person? And what do you want as a couple? And then what do you want as a couple sexually and individually? What is it that, what are these fantasies that you might have that maybe you've never voiced and that you've never felt comfortable sharing that you maybe you haven't even thought of because you've never thought about that part of your life? (laughs) And so we create an experience where 
they really get to connect and, and build intimacy and build safety to, to really talk about these things and just have a really great weekend. Maybe very, it's very luxury. So it's very high end luxury massages and private chefs and just a chance to sit and just talk with me, pick my brain and be in proximity to someone who's really experienced a lot of these things for the past eight, nine years. And ethical non-rogamy is really on a spectrum. So you've got swingers on one side, which is you can have a swinger that's like only one night stand kind of idea, like zero connection. They just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of people just want to get their fantasies accomplished, but they don't really want to make any connections. So there's that extreme. And then there's the other extreme to polyamory where people are really building like really loving relationships with other people with multiple partners. And that can be very separate from the relationship. So I fall, I have been on both sides. I fall into both camps, but I would say that I'm probably more in the middle where it's like connection, super important to me. Loving relationships are super important to me and I can't have loving relationships with other people outside of my relationship. And that's not a problem. That is something that's very important to me because I don't want to be denied. I don't want to be denied allowing a relationship to go where it naturally goes. And so I make sure that the people that I'm with are on the same page. So that's super important to me. But at the same time, I have an amazing partner that I've been with for almost five years now. And it's like, I don't really need anything else either. I don't have time for a lot of relationships. So I don't. I just, I'm very satisfied with him. And we just choose each other every day. And, and we just totally enjoy each other. And then we go to, to clubs and we enjoy the social aspect of being with our friends and just that community. It's just so open and warm. And I just had a, a procedure done this week and I'm getting messages from all my friends. Hey, how you doing? I hope you're feeling great, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it just, it's family. It's like another family. And I think people don't realize that can be a part of it. And I say to a lot of um, the couples that come to me, I, I'm your key to freedom. And Freedom is not about being non-monogamous. Freedom is about being open-minded and sex positive. And I think that's the starting place to really being free and loving yourself, right? Embracing who you are so that you can be empowered. That's freedom. And that's basis to any good relationship. And I think it's, there's an interesting parallel, right? But between the what you're describing as the sex positivity kind of movement and the body positivity movement that like internalized, we we are, whether it's from religion or things that we've learned from our, our families of origin and our, our insular communities and things where, where we were impressed upon, like somewhere along the line, you likely have some kind of internalized sex shame. And so you can, it's pretty safe to say most people have some kind of internalized sex shame. And most, like same thing with body positivity, most people have some kind of internalized fat phobia. That's where that comes from. And I think the what I'm hearing is like this um, this message of just that you can have healthy boundaries and you can have open conversations and you can talk about these things without fear of causing the behavior that you want to that you want to because by talking about it, you're opening the doors to not internalize that shame and phobia. Yeah. And to add on to Does that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> to add on that too, what I heard you saying is that 
for you, ethical non-monogamy doesn't actually mean having sex with multiple partners. It means it's not just it's not just limited to sex. You're saying the emotional openness mm -hmm. and emotional connections and things like that. That's interesting. Like, I've never heard it put that way. I've only heard it in terms of the sexual relationship. And yep. you're saying, hey, even if I'm not having sex with multiple partners, I'm still in a emotionally connected relationship with other people, yada, yada. I hadn't even thought of it that way because I that's not my, your background is not my background. I've always mm -hmm. had that freedom to have emotionally connected relationships with any person. And But it makes sense of why you're attracted in that you're drawn to that because it is very fulfilling. Like it is yeah. very fulfilling to have emotionally connected relationships with people and not have to be like, hey, I can't have an emotionally connected relationship to you because society tells us that the second we do that, then I'm going to want to bone you. And that means that I'm, I'm having an emotional affair, having an emotional affair that I'm somehow breaking trust with my yeah. partner. The only but, and yet at the same time, we'll joke about work wives and work husbands and, and yeah. things like that. I it's like to, tongue in cheek. I, I used to abhor that. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, how do they call them the work wife or what? Isn't that awful? And Sarah, getting back to what you said, I think that sex doesn't have to be a part of it because there's polyamorous people that are asexual and, and they're just, they want romantic relationships and sex isn't a part of it for them. And on the swinger side, yeah, sex is definitely a part of it. And so I, I tend to focus more on the swinger and we call it lifestyle. We call it the lifestyle or the LS. I think anybody who's not in this world calls it swingers, but as swingers, we're, we don't call it swingers. <laughs> As swingers, we call it the lifestyle, the LS. It's much more classy, I think. <laughs> but it, it's very much a lifestyle if you think about it. And swingers is an old term. But the lifestyle is just we choose this lifestyle of openness and community and sex positivity. And that can be anywhere from sharing sexual experiences with other people. Because I say all the time, like, sex and love are in two different circles. Yep. Oh, like sometimes we try to put them together and we put such expectation on sex that it can be so disappointing because we can't possibly make love every single time and have this like amazing emotional connection every time. Sometimes you can have sex just for sex. And I think if couples just let go of that and just experimented just for having fun and not even necessarily for orgasm, but just let's just play, let's just have fun. And in fact, it's called play. <laughs> in the, the lifestyle there's playrooms and things like that and that's where you play with other couples and it's really it's just play it's fun it's just interactive and the thing is i say if you could sit and have a conversation with someone while you're naked there's nothing you can't talk about there literally is nothing you can't talk about and it's just so comfortable and it's such an easy environment to be in once you let go of that body shame and sexual shame. It's just there's nothing left to be ashamed of. You're just there. You're just one person to another having a conversation or interacting. That's all it is. It's just an extension of the interaction. And so I think we get hung up on sex being sex. But when you take the shame away, it's no different thing. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to disagree probably. Going to play golf or going to do other things with other people. That's we think of that as no big deal, but sex all of a sudden is such a big deal. But that's because we've put these parameters on what sex is supposed to mean and what it's supposed to be. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so it can just be this free-flowing, really it's cool interaction with people. And so I encourage people to talk about their fantasies. And then my job is to help them 
figure out where they are on that spectrum and where they lie. And then the best way to have those fantasies come to life safely so that it doesn't hurt their relationship. So that they're in a good place. That's what I wanted. I Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like I really need to say this. Before no, the no show I, I got you. So I think that right there is the key that yeah. each person has the personal responsibility to discover what it is for them mm-hmm. and figuring it out what that truth and what is in alignment for them and that neither which way is right or wrong, that there is not judgment either way. And I think this, so because as my previous job as a couples therapist, this mm-hmm. is the thing that I want to make really clear is in that process mm-hmm. of that self-discovery and figuring out of being open and communicating that with the partner, because what what was what happens a lot of times that I saw in my practice is during that discovery process, like the rules change, right? Mm-hmm. Of, oh, I thought we were in alignment and on the same page. Yeah. You're discovering yourself and now you're wanting to venture out. And when the rules change like that, when it wasn't clear from the beginning, mm-hmm. that's when it damages and it, because then the, the other part, and, yeah. correct, the other partner feels pressured of, should I, do I need to do this to save the relationship? But this might be out of alignment with what is their truth and what feels right and in alignment for them. Yeah. But here's the rub, right? Not everyone knows what their truth is right. when they got married. Exactly. And it like it that's where the hurt comes in and it sucks and yeah. it's a very painful process yeah. and I want to acknowledge all of that. Yeah. So for me, it's the the I'm an advocate of having that opportunity for self-discovery before before getting married or before getting a long-term relationship. So that you do know and you can be in alignment with yourself. The other person can be in alignment with their selves. But I know that a lot of people spend their whole lives and don't do that discovery process. Right. And don't do the self-awareness and just take whatever programming and whatever was given to them as truth and don't ask themselves those questions. So I want to acknowledge that because I don't, I'm worried that it is going to come off of it's no big deal and anybody can do this and everybody should explore. And I want to be very clear that the only thing I I am advocating today is to be, to live a life and to, that is in alignment with your truth and with who you are and discovering what that is. And that to me is what life is in all avenues, not just when it comes to sex. But we advocate that on every show. I know, but I, uh, if you feel like I'm, no, I'm, I'm here for you, look, I'm here for you to validate that and to reinforce it, and and totally because I get that. Like we don't want, and I agree because we don't want this just to sound like we're advocating open relationships. Like right, we're advocating. The you do you boo of ethical non-monogamy. And not the you do, <laughs> right. And not the you do you boo of but like at the cost of other right, people. Right, right. Of like right. when you're in those well, relationships and that's whole, communicating. That's the and, part, right? So, yes. So you're on? Yeah. That's, that's why I could call it open relationships. I could call it consensual non-monogamy. I could call it polyamory. I could call it swinger. But I really, I know ethical non-monogamy is a, a mouthful. But I keep that word because to me, the ethical part is super important to me. Right. Super important because it's not an excuse to cheat legally. And some people think just because they have permission to do this and it's consensual that they get to forget about the person that they're with and they get to just do whatever they want. 
and be like, your happiness is your responsibility and it's not mine anymore. Hold on. Because if you're in a relationship that matters to you, that works both ways. It's a choice. And if you choose to stop honoring the person you're with, then you don't deserve to have them. Agreed. Do you think that a big part of this, that this whole like repression and fuckery of these relationships comes from, no pun intended, comes from a space of where like we legalized the coupling, right? Like that it's a legal thing and adultery is a legal thing. And like, it's all tied up in the whole, we turned it from something that was like a, we choose each other every day to be like partners in this thing, crazy thing called life. And we're going to go sign a paper that now says that everything is, if we're going to do it the quote right way, right? Like it's the wrong way to do it. You're out of wedlock, all of these things. Is we turned this into a legal contract. Absolutely. Um, and and again, I make uh, it messy. And we're not advocating either way. Well, I'm we're not. Just yeah, I'm not against marriage, and I want to be clear about that. But it's funny you say that because so I have a thought piece. It's a very thought provoking thought piece, just to get people to think. And it's called how everything you know about marriage can destroy happily ever after. Yeah, and I mean, I can I can get behind that. And so what I talk about is just like a lot of the toxic model that we're taught about marriage. Again, I did talk about a little bit of that, finding that one person did it. The idea of marriage being forever is a great, awesome idea. It's an awesome idea. What I think happens there is, so I think marriage should be in like five-year contracts, really, because I think... Every five years, if you had to renew your marriage, like a presidency has to renew their presidency, you'd be a little bit on your best behavior and not take people for granted. If all of a sudden you have to renew and then you can renegotiate the relationship and be like, okay, so I did not even know non-monogamy existed. And in this next five years, could we experiment with that and maybe talk about it before entering the next five years? You know what I mean? It just gives you a chance to go, hey, this is not like, Because when I got married, I was 22 and I knew nothing of the world, hardly. I just knew that I couldn't have sex if I didn't get married. (laughs) And so here I am married and I had three kids and I'm like, okay. And I didn't marry for the same reasons as I would marry now. I, I didn't necessarily click with my person and like there was never an ease of conversation or things like that. It doesn't mean that we were bad for each other, but. I think asking forever is a really big task. And so I held on for a really long time because my biggest goal in life was to prove that I could have a great marriage because I studied relationships in high school. That's what, that was my fun reading is relationship books. Like I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm fascinated. And Sarah, I always love listening to your, your like talks. Oh, let's dig into that. Let's like, look at that. And let's like, because I'm very much like that. I'm so into digging deep. High on input people. High on input people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spirits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways, all that to say that I was stuck in this relationship. I, and leaving the relationship and honoring myself was failing. It was a failure to not have forever. And technically, I've been married 24 years. But... We've been separated the past year and a half, almost two years now. 
And he actually lives in the basement right now. And the kids are like, oh, when they found out that we were separating, which is just the conscious uncoupling. And I think that people Mm -hmm. miss the fact that you can consciously uncouple when you realize that this is just, we're not on the same path. We're not going in the same direction. We don't hate each other, but actually we aren't the best people for each other. And that's okay. And our kids were like, I'm surprised you guys stayed together as long as you did. Fighting all the time or anything like that. Right. Like the that. energy, they knew it. They, the energy was there. Yeah. They knew that it was just not like, and I you know, people don't give kids energy. enough credit. Energy exchange <laughs> is huge. And I think like we're so afraid to damage the kids or whatever. A negative energy is very damaging to children. For sure. Right? For sure. And yeah. now it's like, I'm at the person that I can finally be like the best mom that I can be. And I'm like, we're so close. And two of my kids are this is a, a couple more months of having my middle daughter home still, but she's moving out with her sister soon. And I'll just have one left at home. And I feel like I'm, I miss so much of that because I chose to prioritize my husband all the time. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have, because I was going to be that perfect Christian wife that was never going to say no to right. sex. And I was the submissive wife and all this kind of stuff. And it's just this pattern that we up and get in. I just vomited a little I know, in my mouth. I right? I but I, I was taught that was a beautiful thing, and I didn't hate You're it. You're never that. supposed to deny your, you know, husband, even if you don't feel like I'm it. Vomiting. Right? I, you don't. Like, <laughs> all of these expectations that were, that, again... This is where the internalized sex shaming comes in because you're told there are all these rules when in fact there's no fucking rules. I it's make different the for every rule. I make the motherfucking rule. <laughs> it is up to me, right, to decide what's right for me. And fuck all y'all. Not literally. I'm not going to do that because it's my choice. <laughs> I'm like never right got there. to say no or yes. So that's the kind of man I married is the one who didn't even want it. I was like, right. I'm never going to say no. I'm like, Oh, can can we please have sex? <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, literally, never going to say no to you. All you have to do is ask. And no. So right, just, right, right. we just didn't even learn that sometimes it's the woman who actually right. wants sex. And now I'm with a guy who, like, it, we're very well matched that way. And now I'm like, I don't know if I feel like it today. Right. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I've never, ever said no my whole life. Right. You know? But, Sarah, you said you you were a uh, marriage counselor or marriage yeah. therapist? Yeah. Or a couples therapist. So it's interesting. So a lot of people say that communication is the most important thing in a relationship. And I think that I disagree with that because you have communication unless you have, you have self-awareness. Safety. Right. <laughs> And connection and safety and then the other thing and, and so under connection right it's like you have to have at least i'm going to say this from experience at least one love language that lines up at least mm. one just one it makes it easier yeah just or at least easier. the awareness right like if or, your love language is acts of service and his love language is gifts then you yeah. have to be acknowledging that right because matt and i are completely opposite we never right. have one I are, yeah it means that my i have to put in more effort right yeah that's all. have to put in more effort. and you have all. to decide that both of you equally have to want to work at that because if Correct. not right if one person doesn't want to there is nothing you can do and that's the big takeaway too it is not shameful to be like okay i am not going to be the only one Correct. But even that effort forever. Right. Like, I'm wholeheartedly agree. 110%. Yes. Like, and awareness. 
So when we finally, when I finally stepped into my power, I remember we had the conversation. It was like, we've had a good run and maybe we should like poke or we just know when to fold them. And I was like, okay. And we've, it's always been hard. I'm like, yes, but we've had our good times. Yes. Okay. And even if I gave it a hundred percent, it would always be hard. I think as, okay, so what percentage are you willing to give? <laughs> That's an right? awesome question. Yeah. That is an awesome that is question. That is an awesome question. I said, what percentage are you willing to give? Honestly, I think about 10%. I was like, what? Okay. So that's not enough for me. So you can move in the basement then. Yes. That's yes. how it is. And, yes. and I mean, that's as, that's as bitter as it got. And, and all this mental health I was suffering <laughs> made so much sense. Like 10%. If that's what you're giving, and I'm giving like 90%. I'm feeling yep. great all the time and I don't understand why I don't feel loved and I don't understand this. Well, if I would have just been like, oh, you're only going to give 10%. And in my case, I didn't even want to be his favorite. That wasn't even, <laughs> I didn't even need to be his favorite. Like I'm asking so little, I thought, right. you know. Right, right, right. yeah. Right. Sure. I could not understand. Well, well, no, that's you... a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great well, question. That is a great question. I love that. And I just that's want great. people to feel the freedom to honor that even if it breaks forever, because forever, we celebrate forever. If it's people who actually hate each other and have terrible relationships, and then we shame the people who are valuing themselves and standing up yeah. and, and honoring who they are and deciding to separate mm -hmm. in good terms and things like that. We shame that, but we celebrate. They've been married 50 years. Good job. I, congratulations. And, and I, while they both sleep with knives under the bed. Let's just celebrate. Let's just see what happens. Let's just celebrate healthy. Yes. Healthy yes. Whatever individual. healthy looks like for you. Healthy individuals. You do you, boo. Healthy relationships. Yeah, that's healthy what we celebrate. I love it. Right. Jenny, are you Ugh. familiar with, with Glennon Doyle? Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's oh, awesome. Yeah, of course. She yeah. said something in her podcast this past week, and I loved it. And I think it's a kind of a, a great way to end things. Is like every relationship is is perennial and annual plants, right? Like some perennials, just some relationships come back and come back, and they flower every year, and it's gorgeous and it's easy. And then some are just annuals, and they die. But that goes into the soil, and it makes the soil stronger to grow other plants. And I think if we can look at relationships like that metaphor. Way, I think it's really beautiful because I yeah. think that's one thing that the ethical non-monogamy community sees relationships is not like this, like you're in this relationship forever. And, and that may not be for everyone, but being able to freely be right. in relationships. They're seeing it as a choice, not a trap. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And yeah. that way you're choosing to, to be grateful for each other and honor each other. And it, it really... Is seen because if you're allowed to be with other people, kind of thing, if you're honoring that, there's always a risk of losing someone. But then you get to choose them, and you get to you get to love them because you know that they're not yours to keep necessarily. And so you're gonna you're gonna love them in a different way, and it really right. becomes such a beautiful love. And if you can keep that safety open so that you could communicate about all things. And that's one of the things that I work with my clients with is just how to have, how to keep this great connection, how to create safety. And I'm the safety in the beginning of the journey. And right. if they want to work with me after that weekend, then I will take them in this year long process and take them to events, go with them, introduce them to people 
and observe them and then debrief with them what happened and how are you feeling. So it's really a process so that it can be safely done. And I provide the novelty side of things. All right. On that note, thank you, um, thank you, Corrine, for being here today. Please tell us how our listeners can connect with you. You can go to Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching, K-A-R-I-N-E, Bedard Coaching. I also have a website, KareenBedard.com. It needs to be updated, but you can read about me and a little bit of history there. And you can talk to me. So on Instagram, if you message me, if you want to get my thought piece, just message me, uh, thought piece or uh, girls who do stuff. And I will send that off to you and yeah. uh, we can start a conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I'm glad we got to have you on. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do, do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. Oh,